The Hard Parking Podcast is sponsored by Talk Mobile. Talk Mobile is an innovator in retail and works with organizations like T-Mobile to operate stores throughout Arizona, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Louisiana. For more information and to jumpstart your career, please visit TalkMobileNet.com. Again, that's TalkMobileNet.com, our big-time sponsor. Welcome back to the Hard Parking Podcast. This is your host, Jay Finning. I have no idea where Brando is. Moving on. Did a lead tune this last weekend. My friend Brandon and I got best Acura first and second place. Which is which, who am I to say? Uh, what I can say is, you know, I have a Macross Saga Robotech themed Acura NSX, which some people love and some people hate, but I'll tell you why it doesn't matter. Talked about this before. There's this thing called house money and I'm playing with house money. In this instance, Harmony Gold, who owns the rights to Robotech, support me in a sense, where if I have an event, they told me to send them the flyer, let them know the dates, and they post it on their social media, which consists of several hundred thousand followers from around the world. They post that information on their social media with where they can go, which car show they can go to to see my NSX posted up. When I was in Texas, what I found is there were some people that came to that car show tuned originals they drove across the metroplex to see my car they say normally they don't go to car shows like that but they saw on robotech.com and their twitter page that my vehicle was going to be there they had to see it in person so they made the drive house money man living the dream still waiting on starbucks to get their shit together still having to reach over and turn my coffee to see that my name is on there not some other person's name on there so i'm sitting there at work and we have to go to these meetings every week like this department-wide change control meeting, and it's IT. But the silly thing is, 90% of the people at these meetings are in the same building as, I, as my desk is in. Let me tell you why that's weird. Because on these meetings on Tuesdays, we have to leave the building, walk about 600 yards past three other buildings, and into an auditorium. Why we don't just get on a WebEx, I don't know. So I'm walking, and I look up, and there's a guy walking in front of me on the way back, and man... Why does every IT office have a overweight, not obese, not clinically obese, but just a little overweight dude that usually has a long ponytail? I don't fat shame anybody. This isn't about fat shaming. It's about observation. But there's always a guy in the IT office with a long ponytail. He may or may not have a beard, may or may not rock a wolf sweater or a wolf shirt. You know, like those big wolf bowling shirts that are typically for super hyper nerds or insane losers. If you wear a wolf shirt, no offense. Doesn't mean you're one of them. Anyway, I noticed that. Every office has one. He's probably like a Clash of Clans Grand Wizard. Probably spent some time in the basement playing World of Warcraft. Who knows? The other day I was at dinner and I'm so sick of these complimentary valet parking. Some of these restaurants have them. Some of the hotels have them. Complimentary is never actually really complimentary because you invariably feel like you have to tip them. I never carry cash. So I try to avoid the complimentary valet parkings at all costs if I'm able to. I'll park across the fucking street and walk instead of be like, oh man, sorry bro, I don't carry no cash. And they're always like, oh man, that's cool. Don't worry about it, man. It's cool, man. Have a good night. But you know what they're really thinking. You know what they're really thinking. So screw complimentary valet parking. It's bullshit. It's a scam. Because people who want to valet park their car that, you know, want to be seen as these pretentious goers of fine dining they're gonna pay you regardless whether it's complimentary or not for someone like me plus people ask me 
wow, would you let somebody park your NSX? Well, first off, I rarely ever go out to eat or out to have fun in my car. But my response is always, well, I'm pretty sure these guys park Lamborghinis and Ferraris. My NSX isn't shit compared to some of those, one could argue. But as some of you have seen, I have cameras all over my car. And I was in, I won't call the place out because I agreed not to, just out of the kindness of my heart. But I have video of people at a place that should absolutely know how to drive a vehicle with a stick, struggling to drive my car. I have a video of them hitting a curb with my car ever so slightly. So you never assume that the people at the valet know how to fucking drive. Never assume that. Whether it's complimentary or not. It's a classic play, man. It's just like the, the free car washes. They're free, but tips appreciated. And they know people are going to pay more than they typically would because in the spirit of it's going to some sort of a cause or to you know to pay for someone's field trip or, or any of that shit. By the way, do you go to those free car washes? Once upon a time, a long time ago, it seems like a very innocent thing to do. But being in the car show world now and caring about my paint, probably the worst thing you could ever do. My father, back in the day, we had a blue van, called it Van Blue. Cut my fingers open once when I was a little kid because my dad bought a hollowed out van. He's one of those guys who wanted to, you know, make the van his own. So it's completely hollowed out. Eventually he had a carpet, like house carpet. You know, now that I'm an adult and understand the difference between carpets and working on cars, I kind of look back and be like, damn, maybe they didn't have it available, but I swear he put household carpet in the fucking van. We had like swivel chairs and shit. Back then you could have swivel chairs and he made like a bed out of plywood and I don't know he was pretty crafty they made some cushions wrapped them in denim I remember sleeping on them going across country but anyway so the van was super hollowed out it was still raw right little kid I was probably five or six some things you just don't forget though we were in uh, Douglasville Georgia I'm not quite sure how it happened but pulled in the parking lot probably hit the brakes I had my hand where the window would typically be if we had a window and my hand went forward and I sliced on my right hand I think all four fingers were sliced. And I remember crying my ass off because who wouldn't? Got some peppermint ice cream out of it, though. Anyway, so <laughs> back on track. So my dad used to wash this van all the time, and I would go out and help him wash the van. And he used to use dish soap, at, you know, like detergent. I'm sorry, not dish soap. He used to use, like, laundry detergent. I swear we used, like, bath towels for a while to dry it off. Eventually, he bought a chamois, and he used that. But good God, now that I'm in the automotive world, I look back and like, holy shit. That's what, make, that's what I think about every time I drive past one of those free car washes, and you got all these little kids out there jumping up and down, holding the signs. Like, people don't notice they're on the corner jumping up and down and noticing the signs, except for everybody fucking notices, but nobody wants to get, give them eye contact. So, you know, let me know, you know, when was the last time you got a free car wash? Time for the Builders Corner, sponsored by DressUpBolts.com. Follow them at DressUpBolts on Instagram and visit them at DressUpBolts.com. They have titanium bolts that not only vastly improve the look of your vehicle, but actually serve a purpose as well. Available to dress up the engine and engine bay, they have kits ready for your specific vehicle application. Now also available in red. So we are joined by Robbie Tormelin today from We Don't Lift. Robbie, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Jay? How are you today? Good. What are we talking about today on the Builders Corner? Oh man, today the hot topic is is definitely uh, safety gear and counterfeit products that's floating around on the internet, my friend. That's kind of a really big deal. You know, a lot of people say, hey, I got this sweet steering wheel for 
a quarter of the price that it should cost, or I got these bride seats, or is it bride or breedy? I don't know how you pronounce them, but people just bride, bride, yeah. people seem to pop up with these it, things. Yeah. And, you know, someone says these are authentic and they cost $2,000 and someone else says these are for sale for $500 for, for a piece. So what, what are we talking about specifically? You know, the, the tough part for me is like, you know, so a lot of people are, some people are building their cars for the street. So having, you know, authentic stuff may or may not really matter to them or it doesn't doesn't seem to care they don't seem to care as much about it but there's a lot of more important instances for me is whereas understanding how a lot of this counterfeit product is being sold now is it's being sold under the guise of being real like you have no idea that it's not uh, authentic product um best example i can think of is a uh, you can go online right now and just pop on Amazon and you can like just Google search or I mean, just search on Amazon for like say belt harness or OMP racing harness. And you'll find lots of uh, listings on there for, you know, like 350 bucks or so. And then you'll see one or two that are like $320. And to the, the purchaser, that seems like it's a great deal. Um, but in reality, a lot of times the product like that is counterfeit. It's just $5 Alibaba stuff that's been marked up to really close to the authentic product's price to get you to buy it. And so specifically with what you do, since you do a lot of racing and you run a shop that sells safety equipment. So this is kind of real important to you. It is. It's a, it's a real strong problem that we have out there. Um, people have gotten hurt over counterfeit product. Um, people have been ripped off. I mean, like I said, just from the financial point of view, thinking you're buying something that's authentic and finding out later it's not. Um, and we get it quite frequently here on the shop. People will bring stuff in that you know, they're, they're not sure about. And sure enough, we'll find issues and, uh, with the product and reasons it's not correct. And a lot of it's well documented by the manufacturers. The manufacturers will say, hey, if, if it's stitched this particular way, it's not ours. Or if the tag's over here, it's not ours. Um, it's, so it's, a, it's quite a common thing. And in motorsports, obviously, we're uh, you know, doing a pretty dangerous thing already. So to have gear that we're putting our trust into uh, not be built correctly is quite dangerous. So we're talking with Ravi Tomlin from We Don't Lift. So specifically, if I go and pick up, um, so we talked about harnesses, you know, how do I know that the harness I'm looking at is real? So, so what's, what does a real saw belt look like versus a fake one? Sure. Um, I mean, there's lots of, uh, different ways to look at the counterfeits, like a lot of the fake stuff, the, um, the actual, uh, harness, like, um, stitching will be not consistent and not necessarily correct if you compare it to authentic uh, type items, um, Another reason is a lot of um, the connectors will be missing features like uh, the FIA compliance pin, which is like a little lockout pin that's required by FIA belts. A lot of the counterfeit ones don't have it yet. I mean, eventually they probably will, and that'll be even harder to track them. Um, I always, you know, I always remind people, dude, the easiest way to keep yourself safe with the safety gear stuff is is just buy from an authorized source. Um, There's tons of them out there. Uh, There's like, I mean, there's obviously us and not to plug other companies, but hey, I mean, why not? They do good product. I mean, there's OG Racing, there's Pegasus Autosports. These are all great places, including We Don't Lift Racing, um, to get authorized product. You know what you're getting when you buy from these places versus when you buy on eBay and Amazon, you're, you're really putting yourself out there. So it's it's kind of a, a general warning out there, you know, know where you're getting your product from. It'll greatly reduce the chances of you getting counterfeit product. So one of the things that, so people are listening to this right now and they're thinking, okay, they understand eBay and they understand like Craigslist, but Amazon may seem kind of foreign or someone may be listening to this and saying, well, Amazon is right. not going to sell fake stuff. But I'm here to tell you that yeah. they've gotten in <laughs> trouble a lot recently for selling fake oh, shit. Yeah. I bought a Halloween costume, Tony Stark tracksuit, paid extra money for it. I paid mm-hmm. extra for Super Soft. When it arrived, it was as hard as like, like that, that Carhartt oh, wow. material. I right. went to go click on the link on my my uh, my orders box, and the link had expired. Like it was no longer even on Amazon. Got right. a full refund, but I was that's my first exposure to buying something that I thought was legit because it's on Amazon, right. and it was just a steaming pile of shit. 
No, it's it's rampant. It's not an uncommon thing. It's not just safety. It's everything. Everything that's being made out there that has counterfeits available. Unfortunately, um, the way Amazon works, um, that they anybody can open up a shop relatively quickly. Um, if the product, let's say, in, in the case of let's let's use an OMP glove for example, um, you can go on Alibaba.com. You can find gloves that look exactly the same as OMP gloves, but they're not. Obviously, they're just counterfeit lookalikes. Um, you can go jump on Amazon and open up a store and take a take the ASIN number that Amazon uses for the actual OMP glove and say you're selling that glove, but actually be fulfilling the orders with the fake glove. And no one will ever know. It's, it's impossible. To know. Yeah. So you're like, you're just, you're just, you're getting swindled as the consumer and this, whoever's selling those $5 gloves for $120 is making a killing. You know, I'm like, we barely do any Amazon business just because the Amazon fees are so high versus selling like authentic Amazon or authentic uh, OMP or uh, or uh, Alpine Star product on Amazon, it's almost a losing battle just because a we get so few hits because uh, the counterfeit sh- stuff moves even faster, and b just because once the fees are taken into place, I'm not making much money. There's really no point to go through with it, you know. So for most of these counterfeit parts, unless people are doing motorsports, they probably won't notice. But there are some right. instances where I mean they're going to need to go, like you said earlier, they're going to need to go to the the authentic places that the distributors, the people like, like your place, WDLracing.com to get, you know, these products because you take this stuff very seriously. Right. And in motorsports in general, like I said, there, it's just such a, such a dangerous thing to be doing already. And uh, to save $20 to, you know, possibly end up uh, in the hospital. I'm not sure if you saw that video we posted on our, on our Facebook a couple months ago of the gentleman who had counterfeit Amazon harnesses. Now he didn't know they were counterfeit. He bought them thinking they were real. Um, but upon closer inspection, it was pretty easy and evident that they were obviously counterfeits. And the guy ended up with, I believe it was a, a broken spine and a collapsed rib cage from hitting the steering wheel so hard. And it, he only crashed at like 40, 45 miles an hour. It just everything failed. Everything in the car that was he had bought on Amazon, unfortunately, had failed. And like I said, it's not it's it's almost like a consumer buyer beware. Like we just have to understand that these products that are safety gear based products, they they have a fixed price. So they don't really go on sale or there's not really a lot of deals or stuff like that. So if you see them being sold for suspiciously low prices or lower than normal, it's usually good That's your first time. Yeah, it's time to go investigate that that uh, supplier or whoever you're thinking about buying it for, making sure that they indeed aren't a fly by nighter because you know that'll happen as you you'll buy something fake and then you'll call them out and they'll just show, shut up shop and close their LLC and reopen someplace else. You know, what's the, that's excellent information. Again, we're talking to Robbie Tomerlin from, we don't live for racing in my eye, professional racer. Um, so what's the single most uh, common thing you've seen come across that's counterfeit or is it shift knob steering wheel tilt release? I, you know, I don't play a ton on the, in the actual parts section in terms of watching the counterfeit stuff in there. There's, you know, I, 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 while we sell parts over here, I don't really keep an eye on them too much anymore because that's definitely other people's problems at this point. Um, but in my re- in my uh, in my whole uh, area, I would say uh, the most common thing is gloves. Uh, gloves are extremely easy to counterfeit. There's no way to verify if they're fireproof unless you light them on fire. So nobody ever does that with their own product. I mean, we here we actually bought a whole bunch of product online just to see if these vendors were being truthful about what they were selling. And we, we bought a few and a, a couple passed, but definitely a lot more failed that they, they, they were made out of spandex and uh, polyester and nylon and uh, material that they did not claim they were made out of. Most of them claimed they were 100% Nomex, which they were not. Um, so in my, re- my region of the world and my region of the market, it's definitely uh, the clothing products are definitely one of the worst, um, worst offenders out there for that. Uh, I mean, uh, on the aftermarket level, I'd say seats are probably number two, man. Those bride seats, I'm sure everybody and their mothers had a, has seen a set of fake brides in their life. They're just all over the place. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I see a lot in the, on the, in the tuner and the car show world. Um, obviously not so much in the legit racer world that you're in, but even in our world, it's like, why would you flirt with danger? They, you know, you could save a few hundred or 1500 bucks, which is a big savings. Right. But if you get in a car accident, your steering wheel snaps in half because you have a fake steering wheel yeah. or your seat doesn't well, stay, you can, know? Yeah. We can flip it around. Like you, you, you don't race your car, but it's a pretty quick car and you drive on the street all the time. And, and to me, like, even people who are not racing, because I hear it all the time. Hey, I'm not racing. It doesn't matter. I'm like, I don't know, man. If I was just cruising down the street and I, and I got an accident, my seat snapped in half. I really wouldn't be too, you know, thrilled personally. I, you know, I take it. I take street use just as, as a, you know, seriously as the track stuff, uh, and all sometimes more so because I usually encourage people not to modify their safety gear heavily in a street car. You know. Yeah, and there's a whole story we can get into on that in a future pod because I want to oh, have yeah. you on for an entire story. But I do appreciate your time today, Robbie. This is Robbie from We Don't Lift Racing. You know, catch him on uh, Instagram at We Don't Lift Robbie or his story at We Don't Lift. What else you got? You got anything to plug before we let you go? Nah, man. I just appreciate you taking us on to talk a little bit about some of the really basic stuff, and we look forward to talking with you again. All right, Robbie. Thank you for your time. That's Robbie with this week's Build Corner. I got to tell you, before I do the Jace Rental Car of the Week review, I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari yet. I'm not in a rush to see that movie because for me, that movie is not a movie that I feel like I have to go and spend big money on. It's not a big screen movie. Like when I go to the movies and see a big screen movie, I want to see something that's action packed, something like Avengers, something even like Fast and Furious, although that entire franchise itself is going down the drain. Like Hobbs and Shaw was a complete piece of shit train wreck, but I still enjoyed watching it. But I got to see something like that. You want to see a good movie about Ford versus Ferrari? Check out The 24-Hour War, which you can see, I believe, on Netflix. Adam Carolla produced it. It's a documentary. It's all about the Ford versus Ferrari, but from a less Hollywood standpoint and more of a documentary standpoint. It is absolutely excellent. I have a friend named Colin Comer. He's an acquaintance. So I met him through another really good friend. I've been pretty fortunate sometimes in my travels and just networking to meet some people that are actually really significant in the world. And like myself, I'm just a regular person. But Colin is the utmost authority on all things Shelby. So he's written multiple books. I purchased one of his books. I'm never going to read it because I fucking hate to read. It's not that I don't know how to read. I just hate reading. I'll see if he'd autograph it just so I can have a cool autograph. But I asked him in Monterey earlier this year, both at the Acura event, and I said, hey, Colin, I got to ask you something. Um, do you, so I don't know if he's seen the 24-hour war. So I asked him, I said, okay, so this Ford versus Ferrari movie is getting ready to come out later on this year. Did they call you and ask you for your opinion on how things really went? And he said, yeah, they called him and he talked to the producers and stuff for a while and they got really bored with him. And they were going to add some Hollywood aspects because that's what Hollywood does. But I have no reason to doubt that the Ford versus Ferrari movie is really excellent. I love the actors involved. The story, I mean, who doesn't like something like that as long as you're in the car world? The reviews come back super high. My thought is because everybody who's going to go see the movie has some sort of a vested interest in that type of movie. To where they love both actors and their car people. But... All the critics can't be car people, and it's still rated out pretty high. So I'm going to see that movie eventually. I just haven't seen it yet. Who knows? Maybe by the next episode, I would have gone to the movie by myself during my work week because I have nothing else to do besides record podcasts and spend money, which, by the way, I haven't spent that much money this week. This week, I'm at Homewood Suites. Homewood Suites is one of those hotels that serves you food, serves you breakfast, complimentary. I went down. By the time I got here yesterday, all they had was cheese and salami, and that's basically all I ate. That and a thing of mixed nuts. Honey roasted, and I drink vodka in my hotel room because that's what I do. By the way, Haku Vodka by Suntory. 
I've been meaning to try this. Distilled from 100% Japanese rice, bamboo, charcoal filtration. And I can sip on it just like I sip on scotch or bourbon. To me, that means it's a damn good vodka. I recommend you guys pick up Haku Vodka if you get a chance. H-A-K-U. You can get it at Total Wine. They are not a sponsor of my podcast, but you guys know I have a problem. I love drinking stuff like this. Probably the best tasting vodka I've had outside of this stuff that tastes just like water from Russia or one of those places that I got from a friend of mine, Stefan, the official co-pilot of One Auto. Let's talk about my rental car of the week. This week I have a Volvo S90T5 Momentum. It doesn't really feel like much. Unless you put it in dynamic mode, then it fucking kills bugs a lot faster. It scoots from light to light. That baby chirps the tires too. I think I timed myself 0 to 60 about 5.5 seconds. Yeah, I timed myself. I had my iPhone out. I put it on the little stopwatch thing, and the light turned green. I floored it, and it took off. But when you're not in dynamic mode, not much to you know, be too impressed about. Some of the things I really like about this vehicle... First off, I love any vehicle with 360-degree bird's-eye camera, and this has got one of them. It's got the parking assist. It's got all these different things on it. It's basically built for old people or super fucking lazy people. But anyway, I love it the way it is. And, of course, it has CarPlay as long as you plug it into the correct USB jack with a little white circle around it. At first, I didn't. No one even had it. And I saw no CarPlay, and I was mildly disappointed. But, you know, I was willing to make an exception like I do from time to time, like I did with the BMW, you know, eight months ago or whatever. So then when I was cycling through the 50 screens of options, I saw a gray, grayed out CarPlay icon. I was like, aha. So I looked at the USB jacks again, and that's when I noticed the white circle around one, which happened to be the one I wasn't plugged into. But I plugged into it, and voila, I had CarPlay. So that made the car damn near perfect, just having CarPlay. I mean, I talk about it a lot. If you guys have never had CarPlay or Android, whatever the equivalent is, that shit will change your life, man. It'll fucking change your life. So this rental at 5,500 miles still smells brand new. And who doesn't like a brand new car? Is that new leather smell. It has the most crisp reverse camera I've ever seen. I mean, this thing is like super HD. It almost looks fake. Daytime, especially in the nighttime, man, that shit is lit. It looks fucking nice. Previously, the Volkswagen Atlas held that award for me. Um, the Volkswagen Atlas screen was giant like an iPad. The interesting thing about this screen is it's actually vertical. It's not horizontal, which takes a little getting used to. And the buttons aren't always as intuitive as you'd like uh, in most vehicles. But uh, the infotainment center is pretty much good to go. But unlike the Cadillacs, the volume and the temperature settings are controlled via touch slide screen instead of sort of a weird. So Cadillac has this like weird like you push a button, but you're not really pushing the button. You push the entire unit as a click, and then you can slide. And as a result, you usually fuck up the volume, something fierce. In this thing, however, when you put the vehicle in reverse from a parking spot, it doesn't move until you hit the gas. I know there's probably a lot of other vehicles out there like that. They're probably all German. To me, I think that's pretty cool. This has to be a safety issue. How many of you have done this or know anyone who did this as a child? So you sit in the car, you might knock the car in reverse, and you roll down the driveway. When I was a kid, I did that. Douglasville, Georgia. My mom has a, had a Chevy Nova, like a green one. I remember being in the driveway and fucking around in the car. and I probably put it in neutral. But it should roll down the driveway. I got in a lot of trouble. Anyway, you can't do that in this car, which I thought was pretty cool. So I like backed out and I stopped, put my foot on the brake to adjust probably my phone. And the car wouldn't move until I put my foot back on the gas. Kind of cool. Wish my car did that. But you're not getting that with a 2007 Infiniti FX35 Sport or a 1997 Acura NSX. You need something really new. 
It also does a stoplight sometimes, not consistently. It's a bit annoying, but it does this weird thing, stop stop signs. Or maybe they still know how to work the system. But when working, you can come to a stop and take your foot off the brake and the car doesn't move until you hit the gas pedal again. But I couldn't get it to do it every time. And the ride itself, you know, the interior is super comfortable. It's definitely a car you have to you can drive from a long distance, even more so than that Cadillac I reviewed a few episodes ago. But it's really nice. This Volvo not only looks better, but it has better technology overall. This is the base model too. The for the base model for the S90 T5. I mean, like I said, at forty five thousand dollars, it's a steal. A few things I don't like about it: the auto stop, what I call the Avenger A button, sometimes works and sometimes it doesn't. I believe it basically has three modes: it auto stops at light, sometimes it stops, but not always. Sometimes it takes over the brake lights, the brake and the lights, so you don't have to. But due to the auto engine cutting off, it's sluggish on the launch. Unless you're in dynamic mode, like I said before, you can just fucking floor it. It does have kind of a boaty steering um, when you're driving around when you're not in that mode, which I think is really kind of weird. That's like a super soft eco mode, but I think they call it comfort. But the thing is, you know, it's got a heating steering wheel and heating seat levels that make up for more than anything with the body steering, especially on a brisk morning. So you can set the heating steering wheel to level one, two, or three, and the same thing with your seat. A lot of vehicles, I didn't see where you can set the level. You just turn it on or off, and I got to tell you. I'm in California right now, and the mornings are 46, 46 to 52. It's still brisk. It's not like it's 30, but it's definitely brisk. And you don't want to sit on cold-ass leather and touch a cold-ass steering wheel. You want it to heat up. You know, so what I ran it again? Uh, absolutely I would. And at $45,000 for what you get, I think it's a great price if you're in the market to buy one. You know, I can't imagine a, a used one probably is, you know, the low 40s or the high 30s. But this is absolutely a car I would rent again. I don't know if I would buy it. Seems like a great value for this type of luxury vehicle at that price. My expectation was that I would look it up and it would start at like 55, 60,000. 44,000, comfortably equipped. It's not the super fast one. I think they have a T6 or something and maybe like a T8, but this T this T5 trim for the S90 is more than plenty. I would absolutely rent this car again. I'm sitting here in the Palm Springs airport. My flight's been delayed for three and a half hours and counting, so figure I gave you guys an extra segment since this episode is kind of short. Didn't really give you guys a rundown of what I thought about the Tesla Cybertruck. I did touch on it just a little bit during the Thanksgiving episode. Um, but like I said before, I don't hate it. It reminds me of something I would have seen when I was a little kid, like the futuristic depiction of tomorrow's truck, except for we're already at tomorrow and nothing looks like that. But I think that's why I kind of like it. It's edgy, it's ugly, but imagine a world where every single vehicle actually looks like that. It's not too far-fetched. We're a little far off, but, I mean, you look at the old Blade Runner, it kind of looks like that, and you look at some of the other stuff, it looks like that, and, man, I don't know. It just, if, if nothing else, it unleashed an entire world full of just some hilarious memes. I think some of my favorite ones are the, the Tomb Raider ones. You can hear the airport in the background because I'm sitting in the terminal in Palm Springs Airport. But... I don't know, everyone seems to have a strong opinion about everything, and everyone's made fun of that, but they sure have made a lot of money from pre-sales. I think it was like a $100 deposit. A lot of my friends made a deposit. I didn't make a deposit because I had zero interest in that truck. But if it does everything it's supposed to do, and it costs what it's supposed to cost, it's going to be a game changer. 
as far as performance wise. I don't think anyone's gonna follow suit and start designing vehicles that look like they were 8-bit designs, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Also, I wanna add a little bit about my rental car of the week, a little bit of follow-up. As the week progressed, I started learning how to drive the Volvo a little bit more. Super cool, but uh, man, I don't know. I, I would seriously consider buying that car if um, if the price was right. Yeah, that's all I got. That's that's all your. That's the most car talk you're gonna get during this podcast. But I got a big podcast planned for you next time. I have special guest Matt Lindsay and Charles Brown of NSX Rack Repair. Known these guys for a long time. Couple hillbillies. Great story. Can't wait for interview with them on the next episode. that time for the Instagram profile highlight of the week sponsored by NSX channel on Instagram. They're our number one source for NSX content. There's a lot of NSX pages, but none of them are as good. It's content rich stemming from OEM to full-blown modified K swap, J swap, whatever swap. All the NSXs appear on the NSX channel. That's at NSX channel. This week's Instagram profile highlight of the week is a man named Ivan. You can reach him at 04POSWRXWagon, which stands for 2004 Piece of Shit WRX Wagon. He has a Subaru, but not just a regular Subaru that you're going to see everywhere. When I first saw this vehicle, I thought it was a wrap, but it's actually a paint job. So he has a fighter jet bomber paint job on his Subaru, and it's kind of tan and it's all rusty looking when i first saw this honestly i didn't like it i didn't really get up on it though and the same thing happens to me right people hate my vehicle till they see it in person i saw it at sema from a distance and i thought to myself fighter jets don't get rusted like that they would retire them no one flies why do people like driving around on cars that look rusty i don't fucking get it like military doesn't roll around in rusty jeeps and rusty tanks and rusty planes and you know there's race cars out there designed by some excellent rap designers and the race cars are all like muddied and ripped up and the paint's chipping and the car's all fucked up and dirty i'm like that doesn't happen cars aren't like that in real life but ivan's subaru is really cool it's really sick and he's built a brand out of it and this is like his third or fourth rendition and each time he's just painted the car and it just gets better and better and better and i'm proud to be affiliated with him on instagram we're both part of a fighter jet squadron that i made as a group um hopefully i would i mean i would love to do a photo shoot with his car he's way up in vegas though obviously i'm down in in phoenix but that's something i'd really love to get done so you guys need to check out 04 wrx i'm sorry 04 pos wrx wagon on instagram and he is my instagram profile highlight of the week All right, that about does it for this week's version of the Hard Parking Podcast. Special thanks to the Passion Hi-Fi for the tunes, which I downloaded from SoundCloud. Special thanks to DressUpBolts.com for sponsoring, TalkMobileNet.com, and the NSX channel. You can follow me at NA2NSX on Instagram. Again, that's NA2, like the number two, NSX on Instagram. If you like this podcast, please let us know. Please send your inquiries to HardParkingPodcast at gmail.com. Please like, subscribe, leave a review. You guys don't really realize uh, how big of a difference it makes to us to leave a review. It helps us with the charts and popularity. So whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple iTunes, PodCenter, if you're listening on the Anchor FM host app, hosting site, it doesn't matter. Please give us a review, and it better be a good review. And let's do this. Let's grow this thing together.
Shut up!